welcome to Ouija Broads. That's not what we say. That's not what we say, but it's good. You're just so excited to get back into this episode. I am. You are listening to Ouija Broads. Welcome back to part two of Starvation Heights. Because I know you've been waiting to find out what happens with the Williamson sisters. This is Devin. This is Liz. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say my name. Oh my gosh. I need to start leaning into the microphone when I laugh. It's it's the opposite of what needs to happen. Do it. Blow that microphone out. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) You are. You are just so excited to talk about a horrible woman who did just terrible things. I am, and you're totally right. I keep saying we're not going to be a serial killer show, and then I pick something like this, but I did, for our book, do an obnoxious amount of analysis to figure out whether the Northwest actually has earned that reputation, and one of the things that I came across is Linda Hazard, and I was like, well, is she really a serial killer, or is she just a person who killed multiple people over time? What? Because okay. <laughs> I know I did a serial killer episode, but tell me what the fuck the difference is. Because it's not like that urge kind of builds up in her, as far yeah. as I can tell. I think she's just doing it for money. Yeah, I mean, that's an yeah. urge. That is an urge, but like, it's not like Jeffrey Dahmer or whatever, right? His like, urge it's not was like different. Ted Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. That there's some sort of profile you can put on that but you know female serial killers are always different too they they have different drives it's it's an odd thing right anyway anyway okay are you gonna tell me about these sisters yes claire and dora so dora is the one who's a little more frail claire is a little more feisty i think claire was older but i could be wrong okay and she sets them up in an apartment on Capitol Hill. Who's she? And starts giving them... Oh, sorry. Linda. Linda sets them up in an apartment and gives them a broth made from canned tomatoes twice a day. A cup is what they get. Gross. They are given hours-long enemas in the bathtub. What? Oh, And wait. they actually... Wait. What? Hour-long enemas in the bathtub? So, like, the mm-hmm. stuff that comes out just floats with you? I don't know, but I do know that they put canvas supports in because they started to faint while this was happening to them. Oh my god. Isn't that fucked up? Oh my god. It sounds like being in a hammock in the gulf. It just sounds like you are surrounded by poopy water and Uh you are supine and unhappy. And just so unhappy. With wet canvas. Oh god. Anyway. Yeah. And she keeps stringing them along and being like, oh, yeah, I'm almost ready to take you out to my new sanitarium. So close, Almost guys. ready, almost ready. And she actually splits them up. <gasps> because, yeah. She puts them in different rooms. Mean. And not least because Claire is starting to go, I don't feel good about this. Yeah. I am not okay with this. Yeah. But at this point, she's too weak to walk. Oh, and the God. only people they see are people who make their money from Dr. Hazard. Okay. And Dr. Hazard actually gets a signature from Claire saying, you know, you're in charge of a lot of our wealth. And if we die, our bodies are your property. Like, we're under your care. We're under your disposal. Or at least... There's something along those lines. Yeah. What happens later is they find a diary that should belong to Claire, but it, like, spells things wrong. Oh. And, uh, and she, yeah. she wouldn't have as an educated British yeah. middle class lady. Yeah, it, it, it spells like her sister's name wrong and stuff. Oh. So pretty far off track. Probably not But hers. they do, she does eventually drag them out to Olala mm-hmm. to Starvation Heights. And they've got this very basic cabin, like no heat, not fancy at all. I mean, this is a cheap scam to run Definitely. as such things go. Because, you know, you just need a bunch of canned tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. And some tubes, I guess. And a and bathtub. Oh, yeah. God. But by the time they move for... Oh, I should put that in. If you're just jumping in on this episode, I'm going to talk about very skinny people and extreme calorie restriction. 
think about your choices, bail if this is going to mess you up. Yeah. By the time she moved them out there, they weighed 70 pounds each. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like they oh, couldn't. That's bitty. They couldn't walk without fainting. No. One of the reasons why she was keeping them split up is because she didn't want them to see each other and see how terrible they looked. Yeah, I could definitely see. You can keep one person isolated. Like, you could probably string me along for a very long time. I'm Mm -hmm. either not smart or I'm gullible. I don't know which. But (laughs) if I was with you or someone else I cared about, I'd be like, fuck you. You don't get to hurt this person I love. We're going. Right? It's so much easier to make that stand for other people for some reason, or at least that's Definitely. how I feel like yeah. it. Yeah, for me too. Oh, yeah. I won't go ask the waiter for a refill for mm-hmm. me, but I'll do it for you. What is that? But I feel that. Oh, yep. Yeah. So at first they're in the same cabin, and she's got, like, a curtain up between them, and they're wasting away. And she, But, you know, every time they're like, we want to stop, we really want food, she's like, no, no, it's about to work. You're about to get better. You can't stop. It's right around the corner that you're going to be fine. Oh, God. So terrible. Mm -hmm. This is like you and the episodes you do for me. You just, (laughs) no, 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 hang in there, Dev. Hang in there. We're totally going to get the payoff where the bad guy gets it in the end, and then you just There's going to be a ghost. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you about a ghost. I promise. Oh my god. So yeah, she separates them. She moves Claire actually into the hazard home so that she can look after her more closely and also pressure her to sign more documents Mm -hmm. to turn over more money and their life savings and so forth. And they basically, the Williamson sisters, give them like complete control of their affairs. Okay. Yeah. And they are so isolated at this point. Like it's really abusive and terrible they actually haven't told their family what they're doing because they know their family's gonna be like you girls (laughs) and your fads so nobody really knows where they are but claire actually manages to get a message out to a woman named margaret conway okay who was their childhood nurse they called her tootie for some reason Which is cute. Yeah. And she basically says, she sends Margaret a kind of incoherent telegram where at first Margaret (laughs) thinks she's saying like, oh, you're coming on this boat and I'll go meet you because Margaret's in Australia. And then eventually she's like, oh, wait, you're saying I should get on this boat at the first opportunity. Something is wrong. Something is not right, says Miss Clavel. And is like, I'm getting on this boat, come hell or high water. Like, pulls all the strings she needs to, gets on the boat, and comes up to the Pacific Northwest to check on them. Okay. Yeah. I like Tootie already. Go Tootie. Like, read between the lines. Get the hint. Yeah. Yeah. And she just, like, drops everything. She's visiting family in Australia, and she's like, gotta go. Yeah. Because they're really close. Like, they're really tight. Yeah. You know, like, they're, they weren't close to their mother. She doesn't have kids of her own, as far as I know. They don't have kids. Like, this is an intense, sweet relationship. Yeah. And she goes up to the Northwest, and she meets with Dr. Hazard. And the first thing she notices is Dr. Hazard is wearing Claire's clothes. <gasps> Oh. Isn't that fucked up? Yes. She's not even dead yet, you beast. Well, actually. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Claire has passed. Claire succumbed to what Dr. Hazard calls illness. Uh-huh. And Dora is hopelessly insane. Are you fucking and... serious? Well, that's what Dr. I mean, Hazard that's says. That's what she says. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, she's like, you You can't see Dora, it's just going to upset her, and Claire is dead. I'm very sorry. So probably what they were trying to do is have Dora declared incompetent yeah, so that they can take over. Yeah. And actually, Mr. Hazard takes Margaret out to see Claire's body at a Seattle mortuary. This is one of the mortuaries you've covered, actually. <gasps> is it the Butterfields? Yes. Butter- is it Butterfield or Butterworth? Butterworth. Sorry. Butterworth. Yeah. Butterworth. She goes out to, to Butterworth and Sons and Margaret is like, I actually don't recognize this person. Mm-hmm. And not just because of being slim. She's like, the face is wrong. The hair color is wrong. Mm-hmm. She actually is like, I think this is somebody else's cadaver. This is not okay. Yep. But here is where 
Margaret starts to kick a special ass is she notices she's like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm, okay. So these girls who I care so much about, they've turned over all their material goods. Uh, you even sold the gold fillings out of Claire's teeth. Jesus. You are wearing her clothes. You're writing in her notebooks. You're taking all her money. Yeah. Finally, she manages to sort of, she, she insinuates herself in and she starts playing along and she's like, I need some of that too. Oh. I'm going to become a part of this. And she actually spends, I think, 54 days or so forth. She's not doing entirely the treatment, yeah, but she's basically saying, I'm a nurse. I'm going to look after Dora. Okay. Dora, when they find her, is 50 pounds. Oh my God. So, like, a child, a that's, small child. So, what your skeleton weighs, you know? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. She can't sit without pain. You can feel her backbone through her stomach. She can't close her lips over her teeth. Oh, my God. And yet she's saying, I want to stay. I want to finish my treatment. Dora, that is how we know that you are batshit. That yeah. is the only true thing Hazard has said. Right? And one of the things that's really disturbing as well is, remember, there was that one guy who ended up with a bullet in his head? Right. Apparently, around this time, Dr. Hazard is also hanging out, or I guess it must have been a little earlier when they could move on their own. She's hanging out and she's saying, you know, sometimes people just throw themselves off that cliff right there. <gasps> what the yeah. fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, like, bringing that in just mm -hmm. you know just mentioning just, letting just you saying know. you know it would be a, yeah it'd be a thing you could do if you were so yeah. inclined yeah so nice people do that it's wild yeah so she cannot get them to let dora go so she's like all right dora i have to leave she's been like smuggling in like a little bit more nutrition okay into the food and okay. trying to look after dora and i mean dora at this point you can pick up oh like, yeah yeah. Like, nothing, because she's so light, but she's like, Dora, I'm coming back. I'm going to go get help. Okay. I'm coming back. And one of the nights that she spends there, actually, they're watching fireworks. I think it's the 4th of July, and two other, like, terrifying skinny women come up, and yeah. they're like, please help us. Please, please, please help us. We can't leave. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, come on, Tootie. She described it as an inferno of fear and horror. I bet. Yeah. And she gets in touch with their uncle, and he's a lawyer, and he checks out the sanitarium and starts negotiating with the hazards. And they start being like, okay, you can't take Dora. Like, mm -hmm. we're legally in charge of her. And besides that, like, she owes us money. And, Yo. oh my god. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he manages to talk them into, like, okay, I'm going to give you $1,000, yeah. and you're going to turn Dora over. Like, at this point, they've cleaned the sisters out of, like, $6,000 worth of stuff. Right, right. They don't yeah. need any more. They are not owed no. any more, but they sure are good at getting everything they can. Exactly. And they're powerful and hypnotic and yeah. terrifying. And they have a lot of control over these really confused, overwhelmed people. Yeah. But, yeah, the uncle is like, I will give you $1,000. And they get Dora off the property. And fortunately, they're like, we're not done. Like, she's killing people. Yeah. This is not enough. Uh, we're going to take her to trial. Okay. And they contact, because the Williamson sisters are British citizens, they yeah. contact the British consul in Tacoma. There you His go. His name is Lucian Agassiz. And... They decide not a British to. Name. No, that's intriguing. Mm -hmm. They decide to take her to trial for murder. They start researching it, and they're like, "She's been doing this for a while. Yeah. She keeps getting rich people to sign over their stuff to her, and then they die." So, in all, at this point, at least a dozen people have starved to death under her care. Oh my gosh! Could be higher. Because, you know, she wasn't going to volunteer it if they didn't know. No, of course not. Plus, there was the guy who shot himself mm -hmm. or was shot. There was the guy that died yeah. of the hole in the head. We don't know. Maybe she said, you know, sometimes people just shoot themselves. Sometimes they do. Happens. Funny story. Weird. Yeah. And oddly, there's also a couple of people who are like, you cured me. Yeah. I feel so much better. I'm fine. What? I don't know. I wonder if maybe they didn't have enough money. Yeah. So she was like, the better plan is just to 
just to convince you yeah. that I'm very good so that you can talk to other people. Yeah, exactly. Because one of the things she, or a lot like cult leaders, was to say, you know, you can't talk to people outside of this. You should talk to other people who believe in me. Oh, like Scientology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's running this racket, and they're finally like, we are taking you to court. And the whole court drama I won't get into. Okay. Except for a couple key points. Um, so the guy who wrote the book is saying, like, look, this is not what she tried to make of it. She didn't say, look, I'm a misunderstood physician. I'm a persecuted woman who the medical establishment is against because I'm a woman and because I cure people who they can't cure. Like, that was her approach. Oh. And although, indeed, like, every doctor will probably lose a couple patients. And especially if you're somebody who works in, like, end-of-life stuff, yeah, you're going to lose a couple patients. Yeah. But this is ridiculous. And also, you don't get their money first. No, totally You don't get their not. entire estate. No. <sighs> so, um, they end up having a trial. They... The, the day the jury comes back with a verdict, there's this weird noise in the courtroom that kind of goes... And the lights flicker and it goes completely black. What? There's a gas plant that's serving electricity to the courthouse and it's failed. Oh my gosh. So everybody goes like... <gasps> and then there's just silence for a second in the utter darkness. Oh. Which, as you recall, she's afraid of the oh, dark. Oh, she is. And somebody calls out, Mrs. Hazard's light is going out. And then they read the verdict by the light of a match, and she was sentenced to two to 20 years in prison. No fucking way. That's poetic. How much do you guess she actually served? Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's for manslaughter. For manslaughter, two to 20 years. Uh, Mm -hmm. Three to six months. She did two years. Okay. And then she got a pardon. I don't know why. What? I didn't get around to that. Well, that's yeah, just not silly buggers. <sighs> There's no point. Isn't that? What the fuck? Not, not least because one of the things that they find is another body after the trial in 1913. And I want to read this to you because it's that bad. Let me find out. Yes, please. It's just that this is awful. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a woman named Mary Bailey. Okay. Who, even though, like, Hazard is on trial, she's still like, that sounds good. No, wait. I'm into that. No, stop. Stop this, Mary Bailey. Stop that right now. Mary Bailey, the fuck are you doing? This was not an advertisement for, for these services. Yeah. Like, the fuck? So one of the things that Linda was always saying in the trial is, look, you know, Claire was a big believer in what we were doing. She actually wanted me to name the cabin after her. <laughs> And we're going to call it Cabin Claire. Oh, okay. So next to Cabin Claire, the they find the body of Mary Bailey, <gasps> who is starved to death. She's in a bunch of smelly coverings in the next cabin over. And she's got large rectangular burns on her body because they were trying to keep her warm with bricks. Oh, You know, God. like you warm up the bricks. Right. And she was so weak that she couldn't tell anybody that it was hurting. That it was, oh, baby. Yeah, that's for some reason the detail that made me go, Linda Hazard is a monster. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that, that was the tipping point for me. Yeah. So... Sidebar to the whole Butterworth thing. They get a lot of attention during this trial because they're basically fingered as accomplices. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that Tootie is convinced of is that they showed her a fake body. And I remember when we talked about the Butterworths, we're like, well, you know, people look really different when they've lost a ton of weight. But Tootie actually thinks they showed her a fake body so that she wouldn't be terrified of how skinny Claire had been. Oh, wow. So Claire really did die and uh, Mm -hmm. may have been a body there at one point, but they had to... Okay, I could see that. I mean, I do remember that from researching Butterfield and talking about it, that not only were people really startled by what embalming, especially early uh, embalming, uh, mm-hmm. techniques due to a body. I do remember coming across this particular case. Yeah, they get a lot of focus. And I don't really know where I come down on it. Whether mm-hmm. she just was like, 
kind of using them because they were the people who didn't ask questions. Like it was really typical at the time for a doctor to do the autopsy on their own patient. And so they let her do all the autopsies. Such a conflict of interest. I'm, I'm yeah. so hopeful that that's not the standard now. Right. And all her patients get buried by Butterworth and Sons. Like there's some money that she's paying wow. out of these estates okay. toward them. But you're also like, well, on the one hand, I could totally see kind of a look the other way. Like, you give us the business. We're not going to raise any questions about these people you're bringing us. Right. But also, it seems to have been such an open secret that I don't know why we're being so harsh on the funeral directors for not, like, investigating this. Right. And the, the funeral directors, if I recall from, you know, the, the Butterworth episode a year ago, um, if I recall, the Butterworths were among the the very few funeral homes that were willing to go out and collect dead bodies off the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, you know, it's possible that they kind of felt like, well, we're already doing a service for the community. Maybe this is how we make our money. Just taking whatever yeah. Mrs. Hazard, Dr. Hazard, excuse me, gives us. Mm-hmm. Or maybe... <laughs> no, Mrs. Hazard Mrs. is Hazard, correct. You know, but also, like you said, they're... Um, morticians he was a furniture maker by trade for a very long time making coffins Mm -hmm. if a doctor says here you go um make a coffin for the second stomach cancer patient of the week do you just kind of make the fucking coffin and call it a day yeah you're like i'm not a doctor i'm not doing an autopsy like People in the end stage of cancer look pretty rough too right so i also wonder how to express this in a way that doesn't come off bad. I wonder if her being a woman actually gave her a little bit of cover because people didn't want to be like, I think you're full of shit. Yeah. Because they're like, it's not because you're a woman. It's because you're full of shit. But But, I feel awkward accusing you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She definitely would always invoke that. And it's the kind of thing where you're like, Linda, I think you're probably right that Female doctors had a rough time of it, but you're not a doctor. But you're not a doctor. You're a serial killer. You are. You are. <laughs> you are a serial murderer. And and you're playing the gender card, and you're why people aren't taking female doctors seriously, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, because she was in close succession as well. She was like three years after they discovered the whole Belle Gunnis thing. That black widow back east who would, like, (gasps) lure men in with her personal ad and be like, I'm a rich widow on a nice farm. Yeah. Bring proof of your assets and meet me in person. Triflers need not apply. Yes. Yes. The best phrase. Yeah. And so this was, like, three years earlier. So all of a sudden it was this very exciting, women are unnatural and do murder also. Wow. (laughs) We had no idea they're complex human beings. I know. With various motivations, and they're not always <laughs> pure. Lord. Okay, so she spends two years in prison. She gets a pardon. Okay. She moves to New Zealand, which is a bold move. Whoa, especially when yeah. Tootie over there was in Australia with family. Mm-hmm. You can't run, you can't hide, Linda. But actually, but actually. Uh, the newspapers are like, oh yeah, here comes this doctor from Washington. Stop it. Stop and she it, starts practicing as a dietitian and osteopath until 1920 she starts killing people over there (gasps) oh Mm -hmm. my goodness it escalates to the point of killing people in new zealand as well Mm -hmm. yeah i don't have a lot of detail about that but yeah she opens up shop kills more people and then she comes back to olala washington no stay out of my state yeah so it becomes that question of well which is the worst choice going far away and doing exactly the same fucking thing you got busted for before or staying exactly where you were and doing exactly the same fucking thing you got busted for before well you know you can get away with it in the one place apparently yeah apparently but at least at this point they've taken her medical license away so she says okay i'm opening a school of health (laughs) it's a school (laughs) yeah oh my god (laughs) because she's rich because she made good money in new zealand oh with the killing killing people yeah yeah nice work if you can get it and you know what though at this point um 
fewer patients are signing up than she expected. Good. <laughs> so she actually had a hundred beds for patients. Oh my gosh. And in nineteen thirty five the thing burns down and there's less than a dozen patients there when it happens. Fortunately. But still oh. I'm like, oh. how'd you get up to twelve oh. how'd you get up to twelve suckers who were still into this? Who were still into this, yeah. Did they when it burned down, did they die? She did not die. They didn't die. No, um, it was sort of a, like, they saw it happening and they got everybody out. And at this point, she's not going to rebuild it, right? Like, she's done. She's, she's built all, she's poured all her money into it. Yeah, you never know Mm -hmm. with these fuckers, right? Like, they always seem to just keep going long after you would expect. definitely. And then one day there's a knock on the door and, haha, it's Raleigh. Yep. Stab ya. Uh, she wasn't insured, though. Mm. <laughs> Just saying. I bet she was. She did have insurance on that. I bet she did. <sighs> so three years later, it takes us to 1938. She's in her early 70s, and she gets sick. No. Good. And what do you do when you get sick? You start fasting. You fuck off and die already, Linda, is what you do. She does. Oh. She starves herself to death. <gasps> Right below the bedroom where she starved Claire Williamson. Poetic justice, my friend. Yeah, like Sam comes up one morning and he's like, oh, she's dead. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And that's part of the part that makes me go, how much of this was real to her? Maybe she, I, yeah. I thought that if I read a book about it, I'd be like, aha, yes, this is now clear. But I'm like, what? Yeah. Why'd she do that, though? If it was all a scam, did she know she was dying anyway? And she was like, aha, if I die this way, they'll never guess. Or (laughs) did she really kind of believe in it? And she was like, well, I am curing them. Some of them are going to die. And the ones that die, I might as well have their stuff. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can... I suppose you can both sell a really shitty product and be in denial that that product is shitty. Mm -hmm. You know, you can. Uh, Wow, though, I wonder. Yeah, that makes it complicated because it's like, was this cultish? Was this like a cult of personality? Yeah. What was happening? Maybe Sam starved her. He wanted her money. And (laughs) he was the one that was just like, oh, no, babe, it's totally cool. Suck on this carrot for a while. I'm sure you'll be better. I'll (laughs) I'll come up with an ice cube for dessert. Maybe. Or maybe she actually just died of something completely different and was like, Sam, tell them I starved. Tell them I starved. Don't let them see me in my fat shroud. (laughs) It's just so mysterious to me. I don't know. Because it's not a usual, like, super terrible red flag filled childhood. And then you grow up into a maladjusted young man and and start attacking sex workers. Like, this is a totally different paradigm. It is a lot like the Bell Gunness thing in that you're like, you're getting money out of this. Right. But wouldn't it have been easier to, like, switch to a different con after a certain point? Mm. Do what you know, do what you're good at, and I think the takeaway here is don't trust vegetarians. <laughs> I don't trust juicers. You can't. And... It, it's like the quote from Night Mother, Elizabeth. You you can't just willy nilly eat okra all day. <laughs> <laughs> Eating all that okra that. made her plum crazy. <laughs> Yep, mm-hmm. that's what does it. Asparagus and tomatoes, and you're farting and dying. You're farting I guess and dying. it's the mercury that was in those tin cans that the Oof. asparagus came out of, Oof. and that's what you do. You go out as a, a poor little desiccated fart corpse. It's it's so it's so fucked up. I can't get over it. I can't I can't understand what happened here. And yeah. it's exasperating to me. Yeah. Like, not that we ever understand it when somebody kills another person, but you kind of get it in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. But here I'm just like, Linda, what were you doing? <laughs> Why 
like, did it, did you start it out as a scam and then you really bought into it? Or right. did you kind of paint yourself into a corner and decided to go with it? Or what the fuck happened? I don't know. Right. I don't know. You don't know. Do you- no idea. All right. You don't have a, a guess. You don't have a preference. It really is just like a what the fuck for you. I think she was strongly self-deluded. Okay. I think that's what I'm going to go with, is that she just was one of those people where your own perception of yourself Mm -hmm. is so crucial that you can't take on board any thing that might alter it. Okay. And so even, like, getting convicted of manslaughter or watching somebody who's your patient starve to death, you're like, I have an explanation for this. And it doesn't mean that I'm bad at what I do. Yeah, and it's not <laughs> my fault. Very narcissistic yeah. personality mm-hmm. uh, trait, I would think. Yeah. Oh, my God. You want some ghosts? Oh, my God. There's ghosts? Of course there's ghosts. Oh, my God. Of course I want some ghosts. Give them yeah. to me. So all that's left right now at uh, Wilderness and or Starvation Heights is a concrete tower and the ruins of the foundation. Okay. But actually, when she was working out of Seattle, she was working out of the Northern Bank and Trust building at 4th and Pike. So that's still there. Oh, it is. Yeah, that's right downtown. Yeah. I probably walked past it if you've been to Seattle. Yeah. That was her home base. Uh, and they're still finding stuff. Like, people own the property now, right? Yeah. And... There's a guy named Shane Jones, who at least when this article came out was the owner, and he said there was a windstorm that uprooted a tree that had been in the rubble, and he found in the roots ash, china shards, and melted glass, and he says, I'm still looking for that cache of jewels and money. Yeah, I bet he is. (laughs) Good job, Shane. Good luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so they've got the tower. Well, actually, it's it's more like a concrete box, and he says, I think this is the incinerator. And so he actually oh, boosted one of his kids into it a while back, Good and she's man. like, Daddy, what am I looking for? And he's like, teeth? Bone? <laughs> Find Daddy something good, kiddo. Yeah. Oh, my god. Yeah, gosh. so there's, you know, amateur detectives, there's treasure seekers. The legend, of course, is, you know, she burned the bodies in the incinerator. She dumped them in the ravine. Yeah. She did this or that. I don't really know why she would have bothered when she had perfectly good options in Butterworth and Sons. Absolutely. But, yeah, and they've had psychics out. They had a psychic oh. out from the Discovery Channel who went crying into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, they've got a couple pieces left. They've still got on the fireplace the hook that they used to boil the kettles for the enemas. They've got the bathtub that she used for autopsies still in the bathroom. Uh, Yeah. You don't put, no, I've seen movies. You put them on a table. You can't bend over. Have you ever tried to wash a dog in a bathtub? Pain in the fucking ass. (laughs) You don't put bodies in a bathtub and then autopsy them that way. Dumb. Right? (sighs) But so back in the day, when the house was still there, when was this? In the 1990s. Um, So our favorite guy, Jeff Davis, who wrote Weird Washington, and Greg Olson, who wrote Starvation Heights, went together (laughs) to the former location. (laughs) A road trip. It's a real cute little friendship. Isn't that adorable? Yeah. And they started talking to the family who'd experienced some ghostly phenomena. So one thing is that a woman was cooking in the kitchen, as one does, and she was facing the stove, and the bathroom door was behind her. Okay. She was, like, moving back and forth, doing her stuff, and she turned around and all of a sudden saw every chair in the kitchen and a couple from the room next door had been piled up against the bathroom door. Fuck that noise. That is poltergeist shit. Nope. Isn't it? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Leave my chairs alone. Because, like, bad shit happened in that bathroom. So. Oh, my God. And that was the same bathroom from the Hazard's house? Yeah, it was the one where they say they did, like, the enemas and the massages and stuff. Or the autopsies. Yeah. So. Yeah. Gross. Mm -hmm. Gross. Although yeah. that's kind of helpful, right? It's like all the spirits were just like, let's just board that up. It's like when a dog tries to bury its bone, but it only has a blanket. Mm-hmm. 
you know <laughs> and you're just like yeah. oh very sweet okay it's hidden now it's i promise it's cold in the ground hidden and the ghosts were just like let's put all these chairs up there you shouldn't go in there lady yeah let's just don't go in there i just need to pee no don't go in there <laughs> no don't do it don't do it <laughs> yeah heck you need to pee did you have soup today <laughs> we can help you with this mm-hmm. oh my god so also washington state paranormal investigators and research okay. investigations and research sorry went to starvation heights a couple times and weird washington picked up some of their stories so the first time and i appreciate the rigor of this they divided into three teams each one had a psychic and they blinded the psychics blindfolded them <laughs> That came, that came terrible. That came out terrible. They blinded we the just, This is what we say in research. It's like you, you, you know, blinded the participants. But yeah. They blindfolded them. There you go. And put them in separate cars and just drove them. They didn't tell them where they were going. <laughs> and two psychics were like, we're going to a large institution. This has something to do with medicine. And then they separated them and let them go through the house alone. Okay. So Darren and Jill, apparently, who are... WSPIR investigators went inside with a psychic named Merlin, which is perfect. <laughs> Change nothing about your deal, Merlin. Never. Yeah. And Merlin was walking up the stairs and she saw a book and she picked it up and it threw it down because she looked at it and it was a copy of Fasting for the Cure of Disease. And she's like, oh no, like now I know. And oh. Darren is like, why'd you leave that book out? And they're like, we didn't. No way. Mm-hmm. I got goosebumps. Ugh. I got goosebumps. Yeah. And then they got some extrasensory things. What is it called? Like the little recordings that you get? EVP. EVP. Yeah. They, so one team recorded a video that starts inside their car. I'm just going to read this. Then pans outside where the microphone recorded a muffled statement made by a team member. The video then pans back inside the car where one can hear a strange breathy voice saying, help me. Oh God, gross. <laughs> oh, why did you whisper that to me? Stop it. <laughs> to be upsetting. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> so yeah, they, they picked up a couple other spirits saying, you know, take us up or dig us up or something like that. Okay. Like the people who live there say there's always a bad feeling or the, who lived there because yeah. now it's been torn yeah. down. So there was a bad feeling in the bedroom where she died. But yeah. Yeah, those are your ghosts of Starvation Heights, but holy shit, wow. even without that, like, that is a lot of trauma and bad news for one place. Really a lot of heavy, upset, sad, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you hear that these people, toward the end, some of them knew what was happening and they just couldn't get anyone mm-hmm. to help them. I mean, think about the desperation. Yeah, yeah, like... Claire, apparently, I don't know exactly how she got that telegram out, but, you right. know, it was miles and it was rocky and they were so thin that, like, the skin would just rub straight off them yeah. as they were crawling over the floor or the rocks yeah. or whatever. It's terrifying. It's so, it's so bad. Do you know if that site is now, is it now, like, public land? Is it part of a national park? It's privately owned, as far as I know, as of the last resource I looked at, to the point where he's like, I got a shotgun. Do not come on this without talking to me first. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem like he's a dick about it, but, like, there's limitations to how many people you want digging up your property. Well, there's limitations, and even to people who are (laughs) trespassers, you still have some kind of duty of care, as far as I know, in terms of liability. If someone falls on your property, even if they were trespassing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they'd win, but they could sure drag you through the court system for a bit. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, well, can they sue for that? People can sue for they anything sue if they can find a want. lawyer who feels like it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah. One of the things I really dug about this story was I feel like. It's not like, wow, that's wild. Nobody in the 21st century would ever subscribe to something like that. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. (laughs) People at the beginning of the 20th century, 100 years ago, did this. And people today do things that are just as weird and self-harmful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I had interesting conversations when I was meeting with my nutritionist about uh, what they're calling now orthorexia. 
which is basically, it's not that you have an issue with all food, yeah. it's that you get so restrictive and obsessive yeah. about eating clean and eating certain things that you start to malnourish yourself. Okay. And I think a lot of the way we talk about food these days really encourages that, where instead of being like, yeah, you know, okay, chocolate, all right, it's not, you know, the best for you, it's not going to kill you, we're like, oh, I'm being so bad. Oh, yeah. Or... I ate a whole head of kale. I'm so good. Yeah. You're like, you're neither. You're just eating. You're just eating. You and I have talked about that before, how that really mm-hmm. kind of, I think, not to put words in your mouth, but for me, it definitely disordered the way I looked at food or looked at myself and that I was good or bad yeah. versus on, based on what I was eating or that foods were good or bad. And instead, yeah. like you said, it's it's just food and you should make you should make good overall nutritional decisions you're not mm-hmm. bad because you ate chocolate but if you ate chocolate you know unless you want rickets you should probably augment your diet with a couple of <laughs> uh, vegetables yeah and i mean personally like i i've tried it all at uh, this point yeah, you have. and i've and then i got in treatment for eating disorder which was probably a good move yeah but one of the things that i've tried is the whole 30 which is one of those things where i feel like if you are if it's a good fit for you, that's awesome. Right. Even though I was doing it exactly right, I ended up with blood sugar so low that Matt's little blood sugar tester he has for his diabetes just said low. Yeah. And not even any numbers. Yeah. That's so bad. I I was dizzy. I felt like crap. I had no energy. I was trying yeah. to just lie in bed and I still wasn't like, I should eat some wheat thins. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I I'm like that was just based on some jag on the internet telling me what to eat. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I was not isolated. No. And you're a smart person, you know, because that sometimes most of the time, I mean, you did make friends with me pretty early on, Mm -hmm. which was probably the best decision. Smartest decision you ever made. Um, Top 10, top five. Yeah. Top, top three. three. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do top three three um i don't want to know what the two that are edging me out are that's fine i'll just (laughs) imagine them yeah i i I don't it doesn't even sound like that bad of an idea but taken to an extreme you had an adverse reaction to it Mm -hmm. which is why folks i've only done the the whole 30 for three days because i was doing this with liz and liz went i had a low blood sugar incident i'm not doing this anymore and i went thank god pizza here we come i'm free (laughs) i'm free (laughs) yes yes yeah it's all it's just such a bananas story and i even like again if fasting intermittently is what works for you that's awesome but bodies need food to live yeah i just need that to be clear bodies need food to live bodies need food to live and if you're gonna do something make sure that a real doctor not dr linda hazard no one with the last name of hazard should be telling you what to do (laughs) unless they are on jackass and you are another member of jackass no one with the name hazard should be telling you what to do wasn't the person who was a breatharian who was gonna prove that she didn't need to eat food wasn't she from seattle i'm gonna look it up Oh man i would not be surprised i don't know but i do remember wasn't the um the the only breatharian i remember that was in the news was like yeah you're you're not surviving on just air and picturing food like yes. so many lost boys you know if you just yeah. imagine it the food appears <laughs> psychically no oh my god yes she was absolutely from seattle her name was nevena shine She was a breatharian, and she went for more than 45 days living on only water, air, and light. That's what she She says. She lost more than 30 pounds, Mm -hmm. experienced extreme nausea, exhaustion, and at one point wasn't able to drink water. Mm -hmm. But she's like, this doesn't prove anything. Now, if I had accomplished it, uh, (laughs) yeah, but she said... From the feedback I'm getting, it's patently clear that most of the world is by no means ready to receive the information I'm attempting to produce. Even if it were true, 
that a person can live on light, and I were successful in demonstrating that, I can see now that it would be synonymous with giving a loaded shotgun to a baby. The vast majority of people would inadvertently shoot themselves with it. So I think what she's saying there is y'all aren't ready to watch me do this because you're going to try and you'll die. Yeah, I think she's saying Mm -hmm. we're not ready to poke this jelly because her body's too airy-licious for us. I think that must be it. She actually, to her credit, said, I still have no evidence that I'm actually living on light. It could well be slow starvation. Oh, she said that? Yeah, Shine, I think. Yeah, Shine. 47 days in and 30 pounds down. Yeah. I don't know where you see that trend line going. Yeah. Yeah, are you? Yeah. <laughs> she's just about to hit her plateau, Liz. Mm-hmm. Just about yeah, to. Yeah, she's almost through the thing. So at least four people have died attempting to live on light. Stop <sighs> it. We're not plants. We do not contain chlorophyll. Knock it off. Knock it off, people. Oh, you my God. Eat something that, listen, how, how the food you eat makes you feel is important. Yeah. If you're, listen, we've all been lactose intolerant and eating ice cream anyway and paid the price. But <laughs> at a certain point, when your body is a terrifying cadaver and your lips don't close over your teeth... You get, you get to eat. You do. Have a Twinkie. It's authorized. This is what my nutritionist taught me to say. Food is authorized. Food is legal. <laughs> God, have this. Don't I, die. We do have to do the disclaimer again, though, that we're not dispensing mm-hmm. nutritional advice or health advice or any yeah. shit like that because we're not mm-hmm. doctors. We have more integrity than Linda Hazard. We're not going to tell you what to do without being doctors. But you're totally right that food is authorized. Yeah, I'm coming down the side of humans need food. Yeah. I mean, please don't prove me wrong. Please don't try. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Well, for a rocky one with a lot of death, I think we had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> because we're a little bit too cavalier about serious things, Elizabeth. It happens. Is this a specifically Northwest thing, do you think? Like, could this have happened in upstate New York or rural Alabama? Upstate New York, yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe like 50 years earlier, like burned over district style. Yeah, some kind of like Stepford Wives. I was thinking 50 years later, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. But... um, I don't know. It seems like it could be kind of a California thing, which is not all Pacific Northwest, even though we treat it that way. But there is something about this story to me that sounds specifically Pacific Northwest, or at least specifically uh, coastal, you know, where you get mm-hmm. you get a population of rich white folk who for some reason feel kind of disaffected and are really excited for someone else to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a Minnesota thing to me or a Nebraska thing to me, you know? I think they do LuLaRoe instead. Absolutely. LuLaRoe and uh, Jamberry. Mm. Um, so yeah, some super, super skinny bleached blonde woman who says she's, you know, graduated from the school of hard knocks will tell you to spend all your money on stickers for your fingernails. Don't you want to support a local businesswoman, Devin? Oh my god, get out of here. Get out of here. It just breaks my heart. You are not going to make money selling me overpriced leggings. You are making your upline and the company money by trying to sell me overpriced leggings. Yeah, here, let me give you my Econ 101, folks. If the incentives you're receiving are for recruiting competition, it's a pyramid scheme. (laughs) oh that's a good way of putting it recruiting competition that's right yeah because like i'm i'm chill with who i am and when i see other podcasts that are kind of like ours Mm -hmm. stuff like you know and that's why we drink or i don't know my favorite murder or stuff that's like sort of true crime it's ladies it's joking around i try to be very kumbaya but in my heart i don't like competition yes I don't have this sort of, what is it they say? Like steel sharpened steel or whatever. What is that? Like my, my steel would be plenty sharp if you just left me the fuck alone. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm fine. That's true. You are not sharpening your blade by crossing other blades. You're just mm-hmm. you're just like get too close to me and I'll cut you. And then it stays so, yeah. very oh, Yeah. Dear. That's why I let you yeah. be taller, since you don't like competition. I decided to stop Thank growing you. at five foot seven. That was really generous of you. Oh, super big of me. That's why I let you be smarter too. And older. And prettier. No, that's not true. And you have more hair. It is true. Right now, probably. It was a strange one. It was a dark one. I hope nobody went to a dark place. If you did, probably go to Twitter, because probably I've retweeted some Spokane Humane Society dogs that are really choice. And some cute videos. They have one for adoption called D.B. Cooper. No, D.B. Cooper has been snapped up. Or has he just disappeared? But yeah, I thought that was great. Because since I retweet all their stuff, I assume everybody thinks about me as much as I do. And so I thought they were doing that as like a shout out. <laughs> shout out to the Ouija Broads. It's some amazing delusion. <laughs> <laughs> it's all for you, Damien. <laughs> This was this was a really intense, upsetting thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can, but just so strange. Oh man, yeah. I would like to know if other people think is this only in the Pacific Northwest? Could this only have happened here? Yeah, and weigh in on what the hell you think Doctor Hazard was doing, right? Like whether it was delusion or she was just that larcenous mm-hmm. or some mix of them mm-hmm. or what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? What the hell? Oh my god. All right. And when you find out, yeah. you're going to come tell us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yes. Ouija Broads. We're just there. Yes. Or OuijaBroads.com, where you can find all our cool stuff, including show notes and Shop Weird, where we link to all our cool merchandise. Mm-hmm. You can always join us on the Patreon and get book updates and outtakes and special episodes that we only share with our patrons. Not because we don't love all of you, but we got to give them a little something, something. A little something, something. <laughs> I can be bought for quite cheap. <laughs> and I think that's all the places I wanted people to come find us and come hang out with us. Because I think about this show every day. Every not day. Not just when we're recording. No. I always like to see what's happening and people bring us the funnest stuff. Oh, man. Please keep emailing us and messaging us things. Keep tagging us on stuff on Facebook. I love yes. it because I can tell... That if there's a news story that I see, you know, like the, the Washington is going to have Sasquatch license plates. I had yes! 10 people in one day bring that to my attention. And I don't care if it had been 35. It just tickles the fuck out of me that anybody likes me enough to think about me when they see things like that. And then they want to share that with me. How fucking It cool makes me feel that? like we found our people. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so You're keep our people, it up. everybody. Damn right. Yeah, and we want you to, to live weird. Die weird. And stay weird. Thank you for joining Thank us Thank you today. for joining us. Go eat a burger. Eat a burger. Eat a burger.